so often people are put into jobs, like there's this job description, right? And maybe you understand the purpose of it, like how it ladders up. Maybe, um, maybe you have a manager that's good enough to give you some autonomy, but they're like, no, just execute the job. Like, right. That mastery piece falls off and it could work for a while, but then at some point they're going to be like, okay, what's next? What's next? And, um, just thinking about this, like really human behavior of like checking in saying, how you're doing? Like, do you feel like, you know, it just, again, unlocks like your ability to then give them the next challenge and give them the next. Absolutely. Yeah. That's all going to go back to the growth of your company. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am so happy to be bringing you uh, an amazing young lady or a woman, fantastic leader. She is the co-founder and managing partner of Flynn, uh, a consulting organization. She's a uh, a dynamic public speaker. Uh, She is a consultant, a trainer, a facilitator, and she has just written an amazing book called The Good Culture. And it's the leader's guide to creating a workplace that doesn't suck. We dug in so deep here. We had so many great conversations and uh, talking about different themes about how to create a, a workplace in a world that doesn't suck and, um, and how, to, how to draw fantastic clients into your business and how to get alignment. Uh, just so many, so many great things. I know you're going to love it. It's a little longer than normal, and isn't that fantastic? Um, so you know what I'm up to is looking for fantastic leaders. If you know anyone, please send them to me, C. Thompson at studentworks.com or Chris at leaderspodcast.ca. You can send people to our website or, of course, share this podcast. Thanks so much, and have a fantastic day. Thank you very much for joining us, Rebecca, on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks for having me. This is so exciting. Yeah, no, no, me, me as well. And I know we're, we're just getting connected uh, leaders. Uh, so we're, we were recommended by uh, somebody Rebecca works with in promoting her amazing new book. And so the, what we wanted to do was, what we normally do is, is think back to who you were in university and, and, and what what you were up to and what you were feeling about the world moving forward and uh, et cetera. Wow. So we're going back a little bit, yes. <laughs> potentially many of your listeners, but I, I, I really think so much of it goes back to my experiences at university. So I went to Penn state mm. and, you know, it, a large school. And I think back to my choices of even what university I wanted to go to. And so much of it ladders up to where I am today because of those initial choices. And I remember telling my parents that I wanted to go to a large university and by large, I meant over 20,000 students. And then my second requirement was I wanted to go to a a university that wasn't um, in the state where I grew up, which was Illinois. I grew up outside of Chicago. Right. 
I didn't want to go anywhere there. And I also didn't want to go to a touching state. So, okay. You so want to be away. Anyway, I wanted to be at least a state width away right. from where I grew up. And the reasoning for that was because I truly wanted to experience something different. I didn't right. want to like just extend my high school experience. I mm-hmm. need to grow and learn right. that I needed to do something different. And the reason for the number was I wanted to be able to be, I, I knew that I wanted to be a big fish in a big pond. Like awesome. I didn't want to, I didn't want to just, you know, go to a smaller university and like kill it and then yeah. be like, well, okay, I could have done more. I wanted right. to really challenge myself. And then um, the third one, which is, which is really interesting. The third requirement I had was it had to have a good football team. All right. And it does. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. It does. You know, one of the best in the world. And but the reason for that wasn't because I so enjoyed football. I did. I grew up in the Midwest. My brother, I had two older brothers. They played football. Mm-hmm. Um, I played football, you know, for fun. Um, but it was because of the spirit of the school and the camaraderie. 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 Um, and the kind of what I saw to be true about alumni from those organizations, uh, from those universities that were still connected and bonded because of this like spirit around mm-hmm. a team. I could have chose basketball or I could have chose whatever, sure. but like football was just the thing. And so, you know, whittle it down, go to Penn state. And so much of my work, um, comes back to those original choices. So when I think about my experience at university, the big fish, big, big pond thing, right? Like yeah. I ended up, um, taking, I joined a sorority and ended up taking up on leadership positions. Like the minute I joined a sorority and I ended up being the president of Panhellenic, which is the governing body of the sorority the system of the largest sorority system in the country. Wow. So, you know, for me, making that choice to go to a place that could have those opportunities so that I kind of had no boundaries on my my leadership and experience, you know, that was the type of thing that really set me up for success later, if that makes sense. Totally, totally does. And I, I love finding a through line, you know, and I know, you know, we were talking before just, just about, you know, just being fully active, looking at all the different opportunities. Yeah. And, and clearly, obviously, we run an amazing program here. And doing what you did is an amazing leadership opportunity, right? To right. take that on and to, and to build that. And I know our fraternity and sorority systems are not as big in Canada. Right. And, and and we do have some some fraternities and sororities, and we've had a number of amazing alumni of our program from fraternities and sororities. And one of the things that I've learned, and I'd be interested to see if you agree with it, is the one commonality that I, I know I've heard consistently is ambition. It, mm. and, and, and at least that was in the fraternities in that that that's what drew people together. It, would that be would that be accurate or what do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. I know that that was one for me. I think there was a lot of reasons. And, and the, the position before I actually um, became Panhellenic president, I was in charge of Rush, which was basically the, you know, the membership, yeah. you know, how do, how do people join sororities and the, the system that they go through. So I was in charge of that. For yes. it. And so I saw a lot of different reasons for people joining a sorority fraternity. So I'm gonna, I'll, I'll talk about two things. One, the, the first thing is, I think a a university like Penn State, like anything else, when you're moving to a new city or, you know, you're, you're, you're joining a new company, like you're trying to navigate relationship and trying to find your people. Right. And I think the sorority fraternity system is just a very quick, it's a, it's like a shortcut to that. Right. Yeah. 
and it's, it's very quickly like, okay, how do you find people that are, you know, you could, you can look at that in negative light. Like you're just hanging out with people like you, but it, it's also in a, in a world in which, I mean, as far as human connection goes, we're always trying to find those people that we connect with yes. that we have interest to. And so the sorority fraternity system is just a quick shortcut to that. And I think that's probably the number one reason why people rush, um, why people join fraternities and sororities. Mm-hmm. For me, um, my reason was 100% for leadership opportunities. Right. I knew that it was one of the largest student-run organizations on campus. Yeah. This is a campus of when I was there, there was over 500 um, organizations on wow. campus student-run. And so, I mean, the, the campus organization fair was always a crazy thing, right? Yeah. But for me, I I, I knew that I would find friends. I'm yeah, not worried about that. Social, yes. person. I would find my people, but, but I knew that to get involved right away in something that was structured and large, like that was, you know, a hundred percent my in too. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, that transition, like absolutely for people like me, mm-hmm. it's a gateway to um, so many things, so yeah. many leadership opportunities, so many, so many different, I mean, the amount of committees and things that they, we ran, we have the largest student run philanthropy in the world, yes. um, which is called Gantz Marathon. And, you know, there's, there's just all these avenues that you could take yeah. once you were in that system. Yeah. So funny you say ambition and my, my dad, my dad, who I credit towards a lot of my ambition, he, he has a term for me that I, I'm like, dad, you know, that doesn't really sound uh, favorable, but he calls me aggressive. Okay. And I'm like, actually, it's kind of true. Like I, I it, you know, it's kind of this ambition tied with action, yeah. right? Where I'm just like, I go after something. If I see it and I want it, like I, I go after it. I'm kind of a dog with a bone. <laughs> with well, it, so. we try to foster that. And, and again, maybe, you know, we call it, uh, aggressive assertive you know assertive. so so we try to we try to take we try to make it a little bit rounder rounder edge I, I, yeah i think i think I, I will bring that recommendation back to, that. to your father no 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 like, this, is, word. this is the better word and uh and we are all about that you know and and again about you know creating the world and creating the opportunities and like you said making a difference it, it's just yeah. such a huge thing so well, and the other thing that I wanted to say is, so that was one part of my university. You were asking about my university experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I also worked. I had um, a job at a bagel shop and I became the manager, which really just meant like I was in charge of schedules and, and yeah. whatnot. And I think that that was really important um, to kind of have my toe in, uh, I don't even know what to call it, like a, a an actual job, right? Yeah, and and sure. I worked, and, and before that in high school, you know, we're, we're, we were allowed to work in Illinois the year you turn 16. So I started working a real, uh, an actual job with like a, you know, paycheck um, when I was 15. But before that, I had already been doing stuff. And I think that there's something about, you know, having that in your background. I knew a lot of people that were so focused on their studies. They didn't have time to work. They didn't have time to, you know, do leadership positions or join student organizations. And it just was like having this balanced, um, obviously my degree was important, but, you know, when I look back at the things that got me to where I am today, yes, that was a means to an end. Like me getting a degree exposed me to all these other opportunities that then, you know, gave me the skills I needed for success later. So does that make sense? Oh, I totally, I totally agree. And, and, and again, you know, certainly again, having learning what the real world looks like, you know, and, and no coming on time's important and all these different things. Right. Managing difficult employees. You yes. know, I was I was the one who like had to set the schedule for the bagel shop and like 
with my peers. You know, yeah. these are friends of mine that I yeah. was working with. And I was like, no, you have to be here at 6 a.m. And if you, you know, like, yeah. That's you know, time to make the bagels. <laughs> well, and I know we're going to end up in a while talking about good culture. I always feel like, you know, our leaders will totally understand the importance of good culture because likely they've experienced a lot of bad culture in their early jobs and right. disrespect and disorganization and checked out leaders. And so again, we can't see the light unless we see the dark. And there, there's, there's just a value there. You know, I know I was, I was talking to my son who's doing incredibly well as a consultant out in Vancouver, and he was, he was concerned about a certain situation. I said, "Well, great, that's an well, opportunity." For or down the road, I'm sure he'll, you know, either lead one or lead something or, or, you know, uh, as he, as he ages and, and, and matures. So that'll be just take that as a learning experience. Yeah. I can't tell you how many of those in those moments. So I, I was, I went with the, um, Anderson consulting right on. Yes. I noticed that. And, uh, center now. Yes. Totally dating myself. Yes. But, uh, you know, I can't tell you. But first and foremost, I would say 95% of the people that I worked with were just brilliant and ambitious. And, yes. um, you know, they, they knew how to identify us, right? Like, and, um, funny side note, um, I worked on an internal project in recruiting. So I got to see and understand and train people on how to find, you know, people like us yes. and, um, the top screeners were, were things like, you know, you had to have a certain level of GPA grade. That just meant that you were, were you know, you, good enough. You were, yeah, you were smart enough to participate here. Yes. To participate yeah. and like get it done, right? Yeah. Exactly. Job. Like if you had a job in school while yeah. you were at, you know, so, and then, um, you know, leadership. Yeah. Self-starter and then willing to travel. <laughs> like, yes, yes. Five, but I thought that was so interesting, that mix of having a job, a certain level of GPA, but it wasn't crazy. Yeah. You know, like we were getting the brilliant, we weren't McKinsey. Yes. <laughs> and then that, you know, that mix of leadership self-starter, yes. right? And I was like, that's so interesting. But anyway, like my back to your son's story. Yeah. I, you know, in consulting, you did, you got exposed to, you know, like brilliant people. And you, I learned so much, but then you, there was always these managers that you would be like, oh, like, you know, you'd get on this project and you have this manager or you get in a situation or even clients, right? Yes. That's like totally out of your control. And I remember in those moments, literally being like, what are you going to learn from this? Awesome. Great question. And the thing is, I always had a light at the end of the tunnel because it was consulting. Yes. So I was like, you know, there's, there's no, I'm not in this forever. I'm not stuck with this manager forever. Yeah. It is like, you know, six more months, four more months, right? Like always a light at the end of the tunnel, which is what I loved about consulting yeah. because I, I never, you never, it was always learning. You were always doing something new. And if yeah. you were in a bad situation, you know, you knew you could get through it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, you know, for our leaders, you know, typically you will quit managers, not organizations. Oh, 100%. And I can learn that more. And on that point, but that's why it was hard to quit Anderson. Because yeah. like, you you weren't working for a specific manager. Yes. Although the people that stayed the longest were the ones that kind of got selected by a good manager or leader or partner and kind of groomed, right? Because yes. then they had their like safety net. They followed them from project to project. They learned from them, right? Yeah. The, the people that bopped around or maybe had a couple of bad experiences that were like, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm yeah. out of here, right? So. Yeah, and, and sometimes as well, it's, it's um, you know, in these organizations, there's always a tension. Hmm. Good culture person great money, you know, so it's like, 
he or she is generating lots of revenue. Yeah, we know that there's some sand in the wheels. We know he's yeah. a little bit of a pain in the butt. We know he doesn't but he, communicate but he, but very he's well. He's throwing quota every week. And you know, it's like, yeah, yeah we, we can't get rid of him. Like, that'll do such damage to the business, right? Yeah. And, and we like the money. because, And we never talk to him at events ever, you know? So, yes. Yeah. I have... um. <sighs> It's like my, like that, that scenario just gives me such heartburn. Yeah. And it's probably, well, I'll have a job for the rest of my life because yes. there will always be people that, that have this um, tension. And I, I think it's so interesting because it has been proven time and time and time and time and time again, that the two are not mutually exclusive. Of course. That you can be an incredible manager. You can be empathetic. You can create a great team culture, organizational culture, and that leads to business success. Yes. Like, Absolutely. Time and time and time again, that if you focus on that, the rewards will follow. Yes. Like focus. And and I don't understand why people don't look at the numbers when they're making these decisions. Everybody says like, there's no data. There's no data. There's so much data Mm -hmm. about the fact that if you focus on culture, if you focus on creating a work environment where your people can thrive, if you focus on their learning and development, they will be loyal. They will do better. They will work harder for you. They will produce more. Yeah. And therefore, your company will do better. Yeah. It is literally like, I mean, we all know it in our hearts, right? For sure, and then, yeah. And you have this thing happen, and it literally tears the the you know thread out of everything when you let that go. When you have a person or a group of people or a team that's not behaving in the way that you have purported you want Yes. Your culture, and you let it go. If there's no consequences, it literally rips apart the entire fabric yeah. of the organization. It's it's like they they say about um, you know the the you need to say like what is it ten positives and versus yeah. one negative, right? Yeah. Like it's the same thing with culture. If you if you can be saying all this great stuff and doing all these great programs and you know have learning development, but then you've got like these. And they, I call them proof points. I'm like, you've got this like thing happening over here where there's no consequence. Yeah. Like, you, you know, you might as well save your money on all the other stuff. <laughs> yes. because, yeah. You yeah. Know? No, it, it, it's so key. And, and, and there's certainly, I can also admit, you know, thinking back, like, you know, your people are developing, you're working on people, you're, you know, you're, you're hopeful and you see progress and you see progress and you see progress. And then finally, you know, we've had situations where that it just won't be able to cross the river, you know, that, 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 and it's just not, it's just not our culture. And we've had made tough decisions over the last few decades, you know, where, where high performer, big revenue generator, and it's just better that they, they move. You know, because like you said, um, you got to walk your talk or people are going to yeah. know you're, you're just, I you mean, know, people yeah. are much smarter than we give them credit for, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, um, they can sniff it out. Like it's, it's, we, we can take in information in ways like you could write the perfect memo. You can write the, per- you can have the perfect excuse for somebody, but people can see right through it. And you, mm-hmm. you have to be able to, like, you have to let go of that fear. And I, I'm always I'm just going to back up a little bit. Sure. I'm always like, surprised. I'm like, just all it takes is for you to think of yourself in that situation. Yes. That's, all that's it exactly takes, right? it. Yes. 
And it's, it's like, we get this as leaders, we get this like us and them mentality going on. I'm like, they're no different than you. They are also human beings that are taking this information. They care about, you know, their own development and their worth and their impact. And, you know, just put yourself in their shoes and say to yourself, like, what would I think Mm -hmm. if I saw that happening? Or if I read that memo, or if I, you know, saw that behavior, if I was told X, Y, Z, like, what would I do? Mm -hmm. And we, we do this weird thing where we like separate ourselves from the humanness of it. And it's like, no, we're all humans. And mm-hmm. we have each one of us has an ability to impact a culture based on our decisions and our behaviors. Right. So yeah. like, that's all you have to do is just drop in and be present with it and say, I mean, truly there's many things you can do at an organizational level. And my yeah. book talks about everything, like working from like top down, but like when it comes down to it, you just have to commit and drop in right. and say, like, you know, like, let me really understand what's important to my people and how I can best create an environment in which they can thrive. Right. Well, and if you really think about organizations more and more, what is the organization? It's just the people and the ideas and the culture. That's all it is. That's all we are. We, exactly. you know, again, we, we've got a system, a CRM, a brand name that we built out over decades, but, but it's the people. It, but without the people. Oh, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, nothing. So it's it's their level of engagement is actually everything because, you know, I know we've ended up talking more about culture, but we'll get back leaders. We'll get back to uh, Rebecca's story. But I remember thinking, again, I've been doing this, you know, close to four decades now, and it's it's you see the ebb and the flow. I've been where it's sliding downhill and it's like, you know, (laughs) there may be greater economic impacts. Maybe, you know, we had the wrong leaders or, or whatever, whatever it was. And I've seen, and then, you know, just retreating, pulling it back, grabbing people, you know, again, in a good way, just, Hey, come on this way. They fell off the the raft and you're pulling them back in. Yeah. And then, and then no, here's what we're going to create. And then getting that momentum and we've been on a, uh, you know, it's close to a 12 year growth streak year over year over year. We've been one of the fastest 500 growing companies in Canada a few times and, and we're still growing during this pandemic and it's everything builds off the next year. Every month builds, every month builds, every month builds. And so I know what it means to have that culture. And it always just so surprises me that and I can, I, I can, I get it because, and again, I'm totally not the balance sheet person, but I can understand the balance sheet. It's like they're, right. the, the, the numbers people are looking at this and let's tweak this or let's tweak that. Yeah, and when, it's like, you don't even want to talk about the people stuff at that mm, point. Cause they're yeah. so embedded and I, I so get it too. And I have mm-hmm. my own moments, right? I only have a four person organization yeah. and I have moments where I'm like, wait, you know, take a breath. Like, how yeah. are you people doing? Like, go back. I mean, it's it's completely human to do that, right? Like, and yeah. it, it takes, it's a truly like, you have to create a discipline for yourself, especially if you're not naturally inclined to do that, especially yeah. if you're more of a data. Per- I mean, I'm a people person. Like I, I like that relationships first has always been my thing. My, in, when I was consulting at um, Anderson, my, the group I was in was change management. It was all about how do we help people the people side of change, right? Like it was right. all about moving, moving people through change in organizations. So I like my entire career has been people focused and I will still catch myself being like in the numbers, working on the thing and then yeah. forgetting like, Oh, I should really check in with so-and-so I should really make sure I should, or I should create, you know, or, or blowing off a, a check-in meeting because I have this busy, you know, yeah. this other client thing that I have to get done. And, and it's, um, 
it takes discipline, awareness, self-awareness that yes. sadly not a lot of leaders have. I should have yes. had a lot. You know, some leaders sure. have. I think actually many leaders that have gotten to where they are is because they're self-aware. But right. there are plenty of leaders out there that have gotten there because they were really good at their previous you know, individual crushing great job, results. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Crushing great results. Yeah, yeah. But the results. And so, you know, where are they taught those skills that are needed in order to be a good people leader? And, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that we as organizations have been struggling with now for decades is like mm-hmm. knowing that that's like that critical. It truly is that that linchpin of organizations is the manager, right? Mm-hmm. That's where organizations you know, live or die, you know, um, with their ability for their managers to truly motivate, drive, develop their people, focus their people yeah. on the right things and, and, and pull the organization along. So it is, it is seriously an interesting thing when you go back to how human that problem is and, you know, and, and a lot of it comes back to fear. A lot of it comes back to, you know, your own self view. And, you know, I've run into so many leaders, especially in consulting that were just so scared to be transparent or to yes. even ask the questions because they were yep. afraid of the yep. answers, yep. you know, and you're like, wow, like just remember we're all humans. We're all, tr- we have the same goal here. We are trying to do yep. good work. We all want to have impact. We all want to make money. Like yes. it's, it's not like this person has a goal to just have fun. And this person, has, you know, just wants to make money. Like we're, we actually all kind of want the same thing here. So yes. why can't we just be transparent and work on that together? But it comes back to so much like fear and, you know, leaders inability to really like look inside and understand their own kind of story in that, right? 100%. And to me, a, a lot of it as well is, is, is being taught how to have a powerful conversation. You know, one of my favorite books is Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. Love that. Yeah. And so it's, and we teach that in our program um, in this, in the veteran years. And, and again, how do we have a real conversation with someone and how can we be authentic and how can we not make someone wrong? And, and so why I believe, why don't we talk to people in our companies and our organizations is because we're afraid to do it wrong. Yeah. And so that we don't do it. We're afraid to hurt our feelings, which, yes. um, so the, the other book that's similar as Kim Scott's book, um, my daughter gave it to me. Oh my gosh. Rad- radical. Radical honesty. Right, yeah, radical ra- honesty. Yeah, so, yeah except yes. very close. Um, but but her same thing. She's like, you're actually doing a disservice mm-hmm. to the employee by not talking to them because then they're not going to grow and learn. And so get over the fact that like it feels bad because you're giving them some feedback. Mm-hmm. It's, it's feedback with because you care, right? Yeah. It's feedback because you want them to develop. Like yeah. it's like somebody having like spinach in their teeth and walking around and you gonna, yeah, telling them. Like, are you going to tell them? I'm going to tell them, Rebecca. I'm yeah. going to tell them. I swear yeah. to God. <laughs> I was with a girlfriend yesterday and she has a little yeah. bit of a, a booger on her nose. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm like, Hey, I, I gotta tell you. And she's like, Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. But like, yeah. I had to tell her. right? Like, for sure. For sure. I'm like, that is, that's what good friends do. That's what good managers do. Like we, we, yeah. we tell people because we care. We don't yeah. want them to go on doing that thing we want them to learn and develop and grow and that's yeah. good for everybody and you're so yeah. right that it, being able to learn how to have those conversations in a way that feels good that feels mm-hmm. like you're doing a service to the person versus like criticizing them and making them feel yeah. right so yeah i think it's so important so here's some of the things that 
you know, because I think our leaders are, would be really fascinated by this conversation and what we're talking about here. So some of the things that we want to be doing is number one, asking, is it okay if I share something with you? Are you open to some feedback? Yeah. Another thing is I want to let you know, all I'm sharing here is for your personal benefit, for the company's benefit. And because that I you care win, about you. That you I care about you. I yeah. care about you. And by the way, they actually know because you do. That's actually how they know. Because right. if I just say that and I don't, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then it's what's so surprising to me about so many conversations like this I've had in the past is, well, even before you do that, you just ask, so about this situation, I was wondering what happened there. Yes. And then so often you find that the thing you thought happened may even have happened, but for really different really reasons. Different reason. Like get the context first, get the conversation going. And not only that, they might've already self-identified the stuff that's going wrong, you know? Well, they might've done the wrong thing, but so many times I found they've done the right thing. And I go, wow, is that ever a creative solution? Wow. Well done. And I could see why you acted like that. And, and wow, thank you. You know, so it's Absolutely. so neat. Yeah. So I'll add, I'll add two things onto that. Sure. Um, one is frequency. So if you're waiting for like the big year end conversation to have with somebody to give them all Ridiculous. the feedback that you've been storing up does not work. You does need not to be work. having like weekly conversations, checking in. Mm. Yeah. Actually, I'll add three things. So that's one is, is that the second one is it has to be mutual. Mm. And, um, sure. I just learned this, which is so perfect. I used to say like, you know, please, you know, always ask, do you have any feedback for me? Right. Right. But I just learned a trick to this. It's sure. instead of saying, do you have any feedback for me? Ask what feedback do you have for me? Oh, better question. It's a yes. better question because it, because it's so easy to be like, oh, I don't have any feedback for you. But if you say, what feedback do you have for me? And you make it more direct and like, like you expect feedback, then they're in a position of like, oh, let me think. What feedback do I have, right? You know, what right. can I do better? Like literally put it not as a, you know, open-ended, you know, maybe you have feedback, maybe you don't. Say like, tell me something that I need to do better. You know, tell me something, tell me feedback that, so I can be better for you. You know, whatever that is. So making it a mutual conversation. For sure. You add much more conversational tone and makes people feel yes. like they have access and and how you deal with that feedback is also very telling. Right. So if you're, if you, if you're defensive in whatever feedback they give you, then, then, you know, how's that going to work? I could expect yes. them to accept your feedback. Yes. Right. So exactly. So you're role modeling, like a behavior of like how we give and take feedback. Right. right. And then the third thing you had said, you know, Hey, is it okay if I, if I share some feedback with you or, or however you put it, I think that's perfect. You should always check in. The other piece of that is just timing. Like, right. and is this a good time? Oh, of course. Like, oh, yeah. So I think, I think there's, it's really hard, especially now, like we're just so all over the place and so many things going on. It's like, you know, really understanding, um, having that empathy of where people are, in their lives and in their jobs and everything. Yeah. I, I had this actual exact experience happen with me. I wanted to give some feedback to my partner and mm. I knew he was going through a really hard time with the pandemic and everything else. Like, like we all are, but yeah. I, I knew and I, it and was I, impacting. And I had to wait, you know, I was, yeah. it's just not going to land where I want yeah. to land. And we're not going to have the conversation that we need to have until he's in a better space. Right. So I didn't even ask him. I just knew because I know him so well. But For the sure. thing is, is really understanding context and timing around those conversations, I think, is tantamount. And we can all do better. I am not an expert at this by any means. These are just things 
you know, that. Those no, these are a bunch of things. No, and I think I just thought it would be good. You know, we're not saying this is it. This, these are just some things that we see right now in this conversation. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, again, we've got to be in our center right before we're having this conversation. So checking in, okay, am I, am I upset? Am I freaked out? Am I, am I, you know, it's just like, okay, I'm bringing my best Chris here yeah. and then I'm going to do this. And one of the things I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised is, um, weekly coaching conversations. So do you, have you read the book? Like there's Brian D'Souza, New York times bestseller, wrote a book called weekly coaching conversations. I haven't and read we, it, but I've read some of his stuff and his stuff. And, of it. And, yeah. Yeah. And we've been doing that since forever, so, you know, and it's just so good. And it's just like, that's how we develop our people. That's how you get a great relationship. That's how you your people know you, you think they matter because I'm investing in this. This is the most important things we do every week is spend that time. There's, I absolutely, I absolutely believe in that. Um, you know, again, it comes down to discipline and it comes mm-hmm. to putting in my business partner, Desia calls it hygiene. Like what are right. the things yes. that like, we just have to do, even if we think that that week, it isn't important. Right. So we yeah. always have a weekly staff meeting where we get yeah. together and talk about everything and anything that's going on, you know, putting in a partner conversation for me and him weekly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Putting in, you know, coaching, like actually like putting them in, putting them in the calendar and yeah. like, if, if we have to move it for some reason, rescheduling it right away. Like it's not yes. like, Oh, we'll figure it out. Like it's, it's, yeah. These are hygiene things that even when things are good, like it's so easy to be like, oh, we don't need to have that meeting this week. And it's like, actually things are good because we have the meeting every week, yes, right? Like yeah. that is why things no. are good. And so I, I just think that that is so important is identifying those things that structurally, behaviorally, you need to have as your hygiene in order yeah. to keep, th- keep the, keep it on the road, right? Like keep I love that. going. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. And, and I think as well, sometimes as well, I find those those meetings when there really isn't, it's like, you know, you you do your checks and you go on track, on track, on track, on track. We don't need to meet. No, it's like, hey, Actually, well, yeah. great job. Well done. We should really be celebrating. And, and this is fantastic. And then so often that call turns into or meeting well, actually, turns into right. something really special. Right. Yeah. Or, or really creative and powerful. Right. It gave you space to actually then do something even more than you would have. Mm-hmm. One thing I'll say is in the pandemic, you know, with everybody being distributed, everybody being, um, you know, that there's a lot of things that we get being in a workplace. So I've always worked distributed for the most right. part. I, I worked at a, a startup for two years as a VP of people there. And then I also worked at a, uh, an agency, uh, an innovation um, consultancy mm-hmm. for a couple of years as well. And those were the only times that I like had an office at, right. so, where I would like went into an office. Um, but through the rest of my career, I've been fairly like either I'm consulting and I'm working at yeah. home or working at the client side. I go into the office for, you know, resources, et cetera. Um, and then I had a coaching practice for a while and that was all out of my home. So I, I get this. I get distributed work. It's easy for me. I love yeah. it. It creates great flexibility. Yes. But I've always known that like there's this inherent connection building that happens when you're in person. And because sure. we as humans, like we again, we pick up on so many different signals. All the social you know, around, yeah. you know, people. Absolutely. Um, and so it's like now we don't have that. And so mm-hmm. how do you, cause you know, a lot of this does come down to the relationship comes down to, to trust and, yes. um, 
you know, so it's great to have these kind of mechanisms that are like meetings and, you know, okay, we've got these things like embedded, but like, how do you kind of replace that inherent tacit, you know, thing that happens when you're just in a workplace with people, when you're walking by their desk and, you know, there's like a quick conversation and, you know, and so that's the thing that we've been thinking about a lot when it comes to culture and leaders. And we're like, you know, you just have to give space. You have Mm -hmm. to, at the beginning of your team meetings, let the first 10 minutes just be chit chat. Like, let yes. the first, like, like, let it just be like, don't, don't jump right in. You know, like it used to be yeah. like our meeting is like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, how do you create space mm-hmm. so that people can just kind of get what they would normally get by walking around, by seeing each other? Like, you just have to do that. And like, you know, people are like, oh, have a happy hour, have a, you know, that kind of works. But I also think it's like, somehow you have to embed it within everything the, the actual yeah. things because otherwise it feels a little engineered yeah i mean it can work don't get me wrong nope. like we've, we've had you know great like zoom happy hours and and whatnot yeah. and i think that it's better to do it than not do it for sure yes but then exactly. also just thinking about like what are we missing out on by not being able to connect in person yeah and how do we kind of get that back in and so we've i I'll some, sometimes like our team meetings, like the first 15, 20 minutes will be just us bleh, like checking in with yeah, each other. And I'll be like, what's going on with you? What's going on with you? And, you know, yeah. and it's, and then I'm like, okay, are we ready to jump in? And everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's good. Yeah. So I think that that's another kind of lesson, especially when I think about your, your leaders and how like they're going out and creating companies and, yeah. and, you know, in this world and, frankly, it's not going to go back, um, Mm -hmm. for a while. And not only that, like, it'll be really different. So for them to learn that skill of how to like create connection and create, um, whatever cultures they're trying to create without having to be in a physical workplace, um, that's going to, that's going to take them very, very far, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, I think also what it comes down to is actually seeing the people on your team as really important people in your life, right? So it's like, well, you know, I'll just get on the phone and, you know, okay, let's do this, right? Like, you know, it's just, oh, here's, here's, you know, this amazing person who works on our team and I'm just so happy she's on my team. And, and then, you know, like that, that, that's where it's coming from. So, and, and one of the things that's always important about everything is, is again, there are strategies and structures, but it's a manipulation if it's not real, right? right? So it's, it's, it's authentic. It's, it's, you know, there's real gratitude. There's real acknowledgement because there, you are really grateful and acknowledge (laughs) and acknowledging them. And so, you know, it starts with you and as a leader and saying, okay, wait, pause. Like, what do I, what do I need? Like recognizing that, right? Like the right. My people are literally the most important thing to my company and to right. my success, right? Like, yes. and so pause, recognize that. Okay. And then I, people are always like, well, what do I do? What should I, should, you know, should I touch it? And I'm like, just, just be, just yes. sure that, that there's an opening there and ask questions. Like literally, how are you? Questions yes. are, perfect like yeah it's not a hard skill to learn yeah. but it's something that from a behavior standpoint it's just not we don't grow up we didn't grow up with it for a lot of right people, right right i work with uh work day a lot mm-hmm. yes work day and they like have this brilliant culture and it's bit, that's it was, what i've heard it's very intentional yeah 
And one of the things that my company does is we do these inspiration journeys where we we take our clients into other companies to learn about some something around the workplace. So um, it's really fun. So it's it's literally like one of the best things, most fun things we do. And it's like R and D for us. We get to learn about right. the cultures in these workplaces. And we have a theme that we'll create, you know, we'll be, we'll visit four companies around a theme. We'll take um, clients from up like a cohort from all different organizations and we'll take them in there. And so we were at work day and um, we were, they were talking about their culture and they had these culture ambassadors that were up there um, like in a bit of a panel and yeah. the question that was being asked to them was around like, well, what, like, what is it? What is it about the culture? Like, why, why is it good here? And with yeah. such a simple answer that came out of 90% of them, they're like, you know, people really care about us. Like, I feel like my managers care. And, and so then the follow-up question was, well, why do you, why do you know that they care? What, how, how do you know that they care? Right. And they're like, cause they ask about us. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. It was such mm-hmm. a simple thing. And it was like down the line, they're all like, yep, yep. And, and it was like, they start conversations with, how are you? How are yeah. things going? Really? Yeah. And, you know, a bunch of the people that were like, when I first got here, it was like, sh- I didn't even know how to answer because I'd never been asked that at other companies, <laughs> right? They're like, what do you mean? What do you mean? How am I? Do I look like I'm not good? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> here, here's, here's your report. You know? Yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm great. I'm great. Let's move on. You know, it's like, no. I'm comfortable because we're not used to it. Sure. I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic and everything else that's going on in our world, right? Um, mm. I mean, in the U.S. right now, as you know, there's, there's something going on right now. I don't know. Nothing going on. There's a going on. There's, right now. We're recording this, and there's a there's an election that uh, is, is undecided, and, and funny things are happening. And funny things are happening. So funny, <laughs> weird, not funny. Haha. That's right. I know. So you know, I think the really good thing that's come out of this. One of the bright spots of all of this is people are, you know, we're in people's homes, right? We are mm-hmm. like their kids are on, yeah, that's on true. In yes. school over, you know, over here. And then, you know, like things are happening. People are coming to the door. There's lot leaf flowers outside. Like it's like yeah. you no longer is this like separation of like work and mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to show up and like shut all that down. And you know, yeah. it's like mm, can't like it's a yes, exactly in yeah. your face and and I think it's created incredible um, access to empathy. And I say access to empathy because some people aren't taking advantage of it. They're not, you know, they're not, but I think it's, I mean, I've heard like stories upon stories, upon stories of like, yeah, I'm like changing my baby's diaper, like while I'm on the phone call. I mean, when were we able to do that? Like before it's just, it's, it's created this incredible access for us. And I think that that is, again, this, this gateway to where it was so unusual for somebody to pause and ask, how are you in the workplace? Like the fact that people at workday were like, that's what made this culture great. Right. Like now it's like, that is much more common question. You know, when you get on with somebody, when you're talking with somebody, you're like, pause, like, how are you? What's going on with you today? I had one of my people literally just right in the morning, like taking the day off. Like I can't deal, you know, I can't deal. Yeah. And, and the fact it made me feel so good that she felt so secure in saying that to yeah. me and like yeah. that she knew I would completely understand support it. And she's just, and yeah, needs I, a break. I, I and, knew yeah. where she was already. It wasn't a surprise yeah. to me. I was like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And like, take care of yourself. Right. And I think that that is one thing that it's a little bit of hope for me, you know, mm-hmm. coming through this is that we're, we're all using those skills and tools a lot more. Right. Because we have to. 
And so I think that that will make us better as leaders coming out of this and through it and through it. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, you know, why is this happening for me? Right. And, and, you know, and again, I, one of the, the, the leaders of Workday in customer success in Canada is one of our alumni. So he actually was on our pod and, and, and he's, 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 he's remarkable. And again, it's just, they really, really prize their people. They recruit amazing people. They honor them. And if you are running a business and a leader of business, you will, should, shouldn't you feel that way? And if you don't feel that way, should, why are they on your team now? Um, so, so, you know, like everybody who's on my team, I feel that way about them or they wouldn't be on my team. And, and then to connect, it actually helps create the returns that you want. And by the way, they want because they're in the results economy and they're winning from them, et cetera. You win together, et cetera. So, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and again, back to like that first theme that we were talking about, it's like, I don't understand. It really is hard for me to understand, I should say, something that was so obvious to me from the beginning of my career, um, how people can't connect that. Like if people are happy and engaged and learning and growing, like, of course they're going to do better work, which means that you're going to have a better output. Like it just, it seems so logical to me. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you've read or at least heard of, or seen the video, uh, Daniel Pink's drive. Yes. Yes. I mean, literally one of my favorite books and it just, he just like laid it out so perfectly. I was like, there it is. I'm like, it's exactly. And for those who haven't heard of it um, or read it, it's, it's the truth behind what motivates people is the subtitle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what truly motivates people. And, you know, it's like, he, he kind of was like debunking the whole, like, give them more money, like, you know, um, giving them more money will, will motivate them. And and he said that, you know, the three things that motivate people are one purpose, you know, why am I doing this aligned with the purpose? Like, I need to understand what my, my personal impact is here. Right. Like, like it's really hard for me just to get up in the morning and collect a paycheck. If I don't know, like the purpose of what I'm doing. The second thing was um, autonomy, which, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes so much sense. Like anytime that I've been really frustrated at work, it's because somebody is like breathing over my shoulder and like, I'm like, let me, trust me, let me do it. I can do it. Right. Like I want some coaching. I want some direction, but then let me do it. Right. And then mastery. And that's the one that like really, really hit me hard. And I I was like, right. In the book, he says, people aren't born and like, they don't want to learn how to crawl and then walk. And then, you know, like, like, he's like, we just are so naturally inclined to grow and develop. And anytime that we feel that that stops, we get really frustrated. And so often people are put into jobs, like there's this job description, right? And maybe you understand the purpose of it, like how it ladders up. Maybe, um, yeah. maybe you have a manager that's good enough to give you some autonomy, but they're like, no, just execute the job. Like, right. Yeah. And that mastery piece falls off and you know, it's, it's, it could work for a while, yeah. but then at some point they're going to be like, okay, what's next? What's next? Sure. And, yeah. um, just thinking about this, like really human behavior of like checking in saying, how you're doing? Like, do you feel like, you know, like it just, again, unlocks like your ability to then give them the next challenge and give them the next. Absolutely. Yeah. That's all going to go back to the growth of your company. So, you know, when people get frustrated that millennials are asking for like opportunities and like, I want to try this and I really want to build this skill. And they're like, of course they do just do their job. Right. And you're like, because they're human (laughs) to move forward. And they, they, they feel like, you know, for the first generation in a long time that they have a voice and can actually ask for it. 
Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's so disengaging, you know, and so disconnecting to sort of say, Hey, just do this, you know, and, like, and by the way as well, do this. like, yeah, yeah, just do this. Like, and to me, it is the exact, what ends up happening if we as leaders do something like that, they'll go, okay. And after a while they're going to go, this is actually not the right thing to do. I'm going to keep doing it just because I want to, I, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, 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 I'm behaving badly on purpose because I'm feeling misused oh, and misguided and, yeah. and, and let's, let's see the company run into a wall here doing the wrong thing yeah. rather than, Hey, you know, here's the role. What do you see? What opportunities? You know, I always like, you know, think like the VP or be the VP, act like the VP before you're the VP. So, so how do you engage in a, in a, in a broader scope of here's what the organization's to, here's the value we're trying to provide, you know, how can we do it better? Or, you know, like we're, I, I, and I, how could I know their job better when they're doing their job all the time, right? Or their situations better? Exactly. And I think that, you know, there, again, there comes the fear. It's like, what is, what's going on with that leader that they don't want somebody who is engaged at that level, right? you know, that, that wants to be ambitious and drive and do even better for work. Like, are they fearful that like they're going to take their job? Are they fearful yeah. that they're going to, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like we know this about all the best leaders that, that, you know, the best leaders surround themselves with people that are better than them in yes. the areas that they aren't, you know, like yeah. it's, knowing how to navigate that and that having the security that you can still be a leader, even if like some of your people might even perform better than you on sure. in certain things. If not, like, isn't that amazing if you can do that? And then you become the coach and the guide and the focus point and the connection to the organization and the, and you're the support and champion of them to make them even better. Right. And yeah, but there's some deep seated fear of, you know, that people just don't want to, they're like, nope, just do your thing. Right. And I, I ran into yeah. that a ton at Anderson, yeah. you know. And it's one of those things where, well, we just had a new recruit come on and he got on my LinkedIn and he highlighted 44 skills that I have. <laughs> and, and really I've got three. So, <laughs> so I sent it out to our senior management team and just, laughing and again like, it was all I have all these skills <laughs> i know yeah no i was just everyone knows i don't have 44 good characters or 44 oh, skills so you know so but it was it was obviously great by this you know young person who's joining our organization and it's 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 also great to sort of go and it was kind of fun to make fun of myself and to sort of again here's what's true and uh and again everyone gets to be a rock star and and it's not like oh you know it's like oh wow i'm the best i'm the best how how crazy how crazy and and just not having the recognition of you know these are the things these this, this is my lane i'm really good in these spots people can see that great these other spots i really need your help yeah. right and that's what the what an organization is a bunch of people are way better in that area this area this area exactly so. exactly one of the things that was a good learning for me in consulting was just a slight shift on this but you know, was learning that management and the partners may have wanted us to be at a client forever. But generally speaking, um, you know, you have this project and you're like, I don't like if we're here longer than, you know, X, Y, Z, like we've done something wrong. Like right. we should be able to be enabling you 
get you like and transitioning to you so that you're going like we're, we're consultants. We're not employees. Like, right. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. And so that, that, that learning to like, let go that my worth wasn't based on the day-to-day activity. My worth was based on the impact that I was having for the organization. Right. And that I could walk away and feel good about that. It didn't mean that I didn't do a good job. It, it meant the opposite. Right. And yes. I think that that was an interesting like shift in my mind. Cause you know, when you're, when you're growing up and when you're even in university and these jobs, you're in jobs that are a little more didactic, right? They're a little more like just execute. You know, I worked, yes. at, I worked at a clothes store. I worked at a yogurt, you know, shop. I had so many jobs, Yeah, but they were very like, show up, do your shift, you know, go away. And so coming into consulting, I was like, I still had that mentality, like show up, do your job. And so if I wasn't doing my job anymore, if I, if the, project was over, did that mean I was bad? You know, and, no, yeah. and like this, this mentality shift of like, no, it's about enablement Yes, about, you know, enabling the client. And then, you know, as a leader now enabling my people, like, it's a good thing if I'm not doing that stuff anymore, if I've been able yes. other people to do it, right. Yeah. It's a really, really good thing. <laughs> and so, and, 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 and I'm learning to appreciate that more and more every, every week, every year, I'm like, Oh, I don't have to do that PowerPoint. I don't have to. I can yes. have my first, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to make that yeah. call. I can have somebody else do that and and you know enable them. So, and also getting as well, like um, you know, it's really great using you know tools like Colby or Predictive Index or different things to understand that some people, you know, your oh, I hate doing that is someone else's, oh, I love doing that. I love doing that. That's so fantastic to get this all right and organized. And I just, this is my, you know, uh, you know, real, yeah, I'm totally all over this. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's really seeing and building, looking to build teams that way also is really important. So. I think that is really important. Our tendency is to hire people like us because we are so but we're human and we just want to be with around people we, that are like us. But then you end up with a lot of people that all like to do the same things or necessarily your strengths are aligned. And, and, mm-hmm. and while that, if you're working on a certain thing where you need a lot of those exact skills, okay. It can work you can, yeah. in consulting, right? Like you've got, if it's a certain type of thing and a certain type of service that you're doing, okay, great. You do need all yes, that can work. Yes. But from a rounded company perspective, and then just from a diversity standpoint and from like a, an idea standpoint, I mean, again, proven and proven again, that if you have a bunch of like-minded people around the table, you're not going to get the best ideas. You're not going to get the yes. best solutions. You're not going to do your best work. So um, you need people to be pushing you. So there's both the like execution skills that you want to have different types of people, um, people that love the data introverts, you know, versus the yeah. extroverts love to be front yeah. room and, you know, whatnot. Um, but then you also just need, div- you know, diversity of, of backgrounds and um, perspectives and experiences. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's so, it's so counter to what we'd naturally like, you know, recruit for like, Ooh, Chris is Chris and I were like, you know, we yes. totally are on the same page on everything. It is so great. It's so easy. Right. And it's like, I want to work with him. And it's like, well, of course that's great. But like, if you're really thinking about the health of your organization, even for your stuff in your own growth and development, like, mm-hmm. you know, surrounding yourselves with people that are very different from you, um, is, is key to all of that. No, that's great. One of the things I always love when I've got guests on our program is, is talking about failures and mistakes and, you know, and setbacks because really getting that, that again, the outside image that people have is not the inside reality or the proven reality of everybody. It's true, right? We all look at people who are like, they 
just dropped it out and you exactly. don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so, okay, this is actually a really funny question for me because I totally value. So the reason why this is a funny question for me is because sure. I, n- I have a very hard time framing anything as a failure. Cool. So you've I turned it already. I've, yeah. I, I literally, like, even when I'm experiencing it, I'm like, yeah. but so, so I, I try to think about like, what are my biggest learnings? Like what, what are sure. the things okay. that, like something happened and, and what did I learn from it? Right. So, um, because it truly, like, if you're like, where yeah. have you failed? I'm like, Hmm, I'm like senior year class president. I didn't win the election. Like, I, you yeah. know, I don't know. Like there's like a couple things. So, yeah. So, um, the other pieces I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people that people probably dislike this because it's kind of annoying. I, I'm just one of those people that I truly am a silver lining. Yeah. I'm so quick to be like, okay, wait, this is happening, but there's, it's for a reason. And I, yeah. you know, I, I just, I just go right to that, but okay. This, this is, I don't, again, I don't categorize it as failure or not. So when I was um, at Accenture, I knew I wanted to move on. Like I, right. I was, I was hitting a plateau creatively. I wasn't learning as much. Like I was gotten to the to a point. I was a manager, and I was gotten to this point where I was like, okay, like I'm just going to keep doing like projects. And it's, it's, it was kind of a cut and paste kind of uh, mentality there, where it was like, if we've done this already, just use the tools that we've done, and just but that's what people are are paying us coming to us. And it, we're it, getting it, a lot of money for this. Repeatable processes, repeatable, like they, it's proven. We already did it over here. So we don't need you to create anything new. Right. And so yeah. and that was really hard for me because I'm a really creative person. And um I found myself just like, you know, kind of phoning it in. And yeah. So I was like, okay, what's my next thing? So I decided to apply to grad school in entrepreneurship. Cause I okay. was like, okay, like I want to go and be in something really creative like that. You know, I, I, I'm going to create something. I want to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know the path to get there. I literally was like, didn't have something like what you're doing, you know? And I was like, I need to go to a program to even understand what entrepreneurship means. Literally. I was okay. I, like, how does somebody do that? Right. And I only applied to one school to UCLA and I didn't get in. Okay. <laughs> and all things were pointing to me getting in. I had a, a, a decent yeah. GMAT score. I had a great interview. I had somebody on the inside and in admissions. Like I was like, I've got this, I've got this. <laughs> Did not get in. And I remember like looking at this um, letter. Rejection letter. Yeah. yeah. And being like, I had this moment of like, oh, oh no. I was already like hanging my hat on that. Like I was yeah. like, and then I'll leave. I have a couple more months at Accenture. And I was like, now I don't, that path, that just shut down <laughs> in front yeah. of me, right? And it literally was about a five minute panic. And right. then I was like, oh, wait, I'm like, I can still quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this doesn't mean I, don't, I can't quit. Like, uh, yeah. like I walked in the next day and I quit. And I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't have anything lined up, but I was like, I realized when I was holding that letter, how much I'd wanted to leave. Right. And it was like a wake up call to me to recognize like, what, what was that? That was just a means to the end was like going on to the next thing. I was like, okay, so the next thing isn't grad school. That doesn't mean that I, that I can't catapult myself into the next thing. Awesome. So that's what I did. And, um, I quit and Anderson had this great, like, job search, uh, time. That oh, fantastic. Have you heard about this? No, but that's fantastic. fantastic. And no surprise. Like, yeah. For years of service, you were given a week 
for each year of service, um, a week originally and then another week for every year that you had worked there years of service. That sounds funny, but, um, yeah. they worked there to find a job. So they, yeah. they paid me, I quit, but they paid me for an additional, I finished my project and then I had an additional six weeks where I was on payroll and I just Fantastic. had to like, it was almost like severance for, yeah. you know, it, yeah. and where I just had to like check in with them that I was looking for a job. So, um, the long and the short of it is I quit to my client first, which is hilarious. Like that shows something yeah. about like, like I told my client first because that was the person I was most worried about the impact of my leaving. And then I, then I quit to my partner on my project. And then I quit to the actual managing partner of my, of the firm that I yeah. was reporting up to. I'm going back and forth from this project. And this is a long story, but it's just to show the thread of like how failing one thing leads to all of this other goodness. Yeah. Right. I'm still in the, I'm finishing the project. I'm on a small plane um, from La Jolla. I was, <laughs> my client was Gateway Computers, if you remember that. Okay, I remember them. <laughs> and I'm, I'm flying back up to San Francisco where I lived from La Jolla, California. And I sit next to a guy who's the founder of a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 1999. He's the founder of a, of a, a financial services internet startup. And by the end of the plane ride, which was only about an hour long, I basically had a job. Awesome. <laughs> and you know, that started my entrepreneurship like yeah. life. I was a 14th employee at that startup. You know, so I went from huge Anderson consulting to being the 14th employee at the startup. And here the whole reason why I wanted to go to grad school was to learn about entrepreneurship. Right. right? So anyway, it's a yeah long story. Well, and by the way, when we ask that question, we get it turned like that all the time to sort of have people see that again, our, you know, biggest, you know, failures or whatever are actually just the the recipe for growth and development. Step, and and that's right? what we, that's, you know, it's like, how is this pandemic happening for us? And we're creating so many amazing things out of the right. pandemic. And, and, you know, so when we have the frame of, of, of mind that you have, that's a success mindset, mindset. And, and that's, yeah. and that's what really that's, you know, and, and not the victim, the victim won't work. You know, why is this happening to me or life's so hard or any right. of those things. And by the way, you'll say those things leaders I know are under your breath and then, you know, get some coaching, get you, kick yourself, get yourself out of that and start to reframe, you know? Right. So it's, it's, it's so great. It's all about the reframe. It's yeah. all about the reframe. It's, it's all about taking a breath you know, stepping back from it and saying, okay, what, so what does this mean? What is the essence yeah. of this, right? What can I do to turn it around or use it or learn from it or move forward from it? What's, what is, what information did that give me about myself? Yeah. Right. In that moment, the information, not getting into grad school gave me information, which I wasn't like, oh, but I really wanted to learn and have this program. It was, oh, the disappointment I was feeling was around my exit strategy. Yes. Yeah. You wanted to leave. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was my, it was my access to leaving that I felt was like appropriate. Right. So mm -hmm. then I realized I was like, I don't need to have an appropriate reason to leave. Like I can just leave. <laughs> You're so nice. You're so nice. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. It's yeah. a weakness. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what about, you know, what did you need to change about yourself? If you think back of that young 20 year old and, and, and developing into the you know fantastic career that you've had, what did you need to change about yourself? Well, I think you already nailed it. I'm too nice. Um, yeah. so, uh, no. So it's interesting. Um, there was a big lesson kind of high school to college around likability. Okay, and yeah. first that, you know, not everybody's going to like you. Sure. 
it can be for whatever reason, you know, it's, it's okay. For, and I had this like deep desire to be likable by everyone. For sure. And that can create, um, you can end up not having a real voice uh, in that because you're trying so hard to please others. Yeah. And um, kind of getting to a place where I was like, you know what? And it, it's funny because I, I, friends that I've met now, I moved back to the Bay Area about seven years ago. While they will all say that I'm nice and social and whatnot, they know very well that I, I, I could care less if somebody doesn't like me. Right. I don't care less, but like it, I, I, it I doesn't it. bother me. If there's yeah. somebody that like, for whatever reason, I know if I'm being true to myself and I'm, and I'm, I'm staying in my voice and I'm being good to people. If somebody still doesn't like me, not a problem. It's I'm not okay. going to bend over backwards to yeah. that person or make that person happy. That was a huge thing that I right, had to true. learn over the years. Um, and especially in work and working with clients, because look, like clients don't need to like you. Yeah. They need to respect you. They need to trust you. Um, I mean, I, I, I believe in being likable. Don't get me wrong again. Um, yeah. but to just kind of sugarcoat things so that they, so you're nice and whatever, they're yeah. actually looking for you to be honest partners with them and to tell them the truth. And you can do that in a way that makes you still likable and kind sure. and all that stuff we were talking about with feedback and everything. It's the same yeah. thing. It's because I care, you know? Yes. So that was a huge shift for me as far as for like sure. the kind of pleaser yeah. versus um, just being true and genuine and good. And then mm-hmm. standing in that. And if, some, it, it, if for some reason it's not working, like it's okay. And letting yeah. that go, letting that go. I also think um, there, and this is a more recent learning and it's tied to it is around truly having an opinion and being okay with that. You know, leadership is, is very much about being, you have to make decisions. You absolutely do. And some of those decisions aren't, aren't going popular. to be popular and they're not going to make everybody happy. And so again, it's related to the first thing, but it's, it's a little bit different because I remember taking an organizational um, management class in college mm-hmm. and um they talked about our different personality types and my personality type was an accommodator, you bet. which is great when you're in like a management level position or even like a team member. Like I was so good at like, okay, we're yeah. going to make all these people work together. I can, and I got you and I got you and I can accommodate this and whatever. Yeah. Once you get to a leadership position, you can't accommodate everybody. You can sure. be empathetic. You can be kind. You can, you can understand, but at the end of the day, you've got to make decisions, which yes. um, may or may not accommodate everybody. Work for everybody. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think about this election cycle and it's the first time I've been really vocal mm-hmm. around my politics and in, in really vocal still is like tame compared to other people. Sure. But I, I realized that I had been suppressing like my opinions and my, you know, decisions and things that were inside of me because I was fearful of, you know, not accommodating everybody, but not, you know, sure. of not being, you know, and I was like, and not being liked. It might be like, so back to the other thing, right? So, yeah. so there's a, or, or just like upsetting people. Sure. I had a, you know, I, I, I've let go of like the not being like things, but I just still didn't want to be out there in the ether upsetting people somehow with something I did. Right. Sure. And so as a leader, you got to not worry about that. Like, yeah. I mean, you worry, <laughs> it sounds so funny. You got to worry about not upsetting people. Okay. 
Like you, you, of course you have to worry about upsetting people. And of course you have to, but at the same time, you have to know that some things have to happen anyway. And that the best leaders are the ones that can do that and still be able to take care of their people. You know, it could be laying people off. It could be, yeah. you know, t- you know, it could be um, demoting them. It could be saying like, this, this position isn't right for you. There's so many things that you, the, the hard decisions that have to be made, but you yeah. can do it in an empathetic and kind way that you're not, you know, you're, you're not mean, but like, you can't worry about like, yeah, it's going to upset them. It's going to upset them. Yeah. Of course. Right. Well, yeah. And then you're not true to your cause. You're not true to your contribution. Right. You're and actually being inauthentic. Like disservice to everybody, right? Yeah. That yeah. yeah. And when I say you, I, I say I. Yeah. I have, have not been true at times. And, and, and it's something that I struggle with and have struggled with. And again, being being authentic and powerful. And I know, you know, because we we attract a lot of extroverted, big personalities into our organization. I know there are a lot of our listeners, so and our leaders, and so that that's really wonderful for them to sort of hear and get. And it's like we really need to step in and be real. And again, like you said, do it kindly, but yeah, we need you can to... do it in a way that takes care of people and is human, mm-hmm. but um, but to not be scared of that 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 Mm. is truly the right path is to be authentic and to be true to yourself and to be transparent and you do it in a way that is kind, but you know, to be so scared about upsetting people is going to hold you and them back. Right. Yeah. And even if we think we take this from our personal lives to parents and friends and, you know, confidants and, and again, being authentic, Oh, it's really nice not to, Oh, you're fine. Don't do anything. No, you know, right. Just, uh, I had a friend years ago, we were struggling in my relationship. We'd started to work together and we're in a beach and it was just, it was really, really tough. And he asked me, he said, have you done absolutely everything? And I go, wow, what a powerful question. And the, and the reality is no. Okay. Yeah. Like what more can you take on? You know, just, you know, what more can you take on? And I'm really happy. We've been married for 33 years now. And, and it's like, and I don't know whether that was, that was the thing or whatever, but I know my wife had said in the past that she thought I was going to come home and say, Hey, we're done. No, it's, we just can't do this anymore. Like we were in a really, really bad spot. Yeah. And so likability, all sorts of people would have said, you're right. She's really misbehaving or you're right. You're, you know, and, and again, it, it also comes down to right. But your friend was, was strong enough to say, like, make you ask the hard questions or kind yeah. of make you face that. And, and that's a true intimate relationship when somebody can do that. And, and I say yeah. intentionally because I think, of course, like, oh, but at work, like we can't have it. I'm like, no, like no. you absolutely, intimacy is all about trust yes. and about, and about vulnerability and saying like, I, you know, I've got this weakness, this thing, and like, give me feedback on that. And, yeah. and you know, and like, help me, you know, and being, tr- have that trust base where you can do that um, and help each other grow. And cause you care, right? Like that, yeah. that's true intimacy. Yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I have a similar story. It kind of went the opposite way for me in my, right. okay. in my marriage, but I asked myself that same question for years. I was like, am I okay. doing enough? And every time I said, nope, not enough. I would go back 
and like try more. And ultimately, you know, we ended up separating, but I, I was able to separate knowing that I had done everything, everything that I could. And I felt really good about it. Right. I was like, and we have an amazing relationship, like as, as, as co-parents and whatnot. So, and I couldn't have done that had I not gone deep and really done that. I think that that back to like the whole, like self-reflection as leaders and people, um, this does come back to like, people like to separate work and non-work, but it's all about relationships, right? And yeah. it's all about um, creating trust. And um, that translates to every part of our lives, right? Yeah. So. No. And well, and thanks so much for sharing that, uh, Rebecca. And it also speaks to our, our leaders. Again, the more authentic you are, the more authentic other people are. And, right. And, and, it attracts and, and, and so, it. It opens yeah. the door for it, right? The, yeah. the behaviors you model that gives people, you know, ability to not only learn from you, but also just step into it. Yeah. Step into it. Yeah. And also as well, I know we'd always have, and we still have, if we can't make this work and it's too long of not making it work. We love each other too much to say, stop like, and, and we can't have this. And, and so, so there is a space where, you know, again, there's that, that's a powerful decision, right? And the decision you made, um, is a powerful decision. And again, the decision I made and we made powerful decision. And, and, and again, both can be the right decision in that time. And, you know, the, my, my point was it, what, what took something for my friend to ask that it took something for him to, because it, I, I could have been really defensive. He could have threatened, could have been like, no, you know what, like, you, you know, you do you and like, could have yeah, just, like exactly backed you up and mimicked your sentiments. Instead, he yeah. kind of pushed you and challenged you. Absolutely. And it, it's easier to just kind of be the, the, you know, gallery behind somebody yeah. um, yes. versus, and just kind of you know, repeat what they're saying. Cause you know that that's kind of what they want to hear. Right. Versus well, say the thing that maybe they didn't want to hear. Yeah. Well, I, I love the, you know, you know, it's, it's a lot of friendships are, you don't call me on my BS and I won't call you on yours. And, 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 you know, that's not, that's not what I want. You know, I want right. someone, you know, helping, help, helping me out in this uh, tough, tough journey. You know, um, in the pandemic, I think a lot of people are probably experiencing recognizing true friendships versus kind of surface friendships, not the sure. Yes. You know, yeah. like, um, you know, those people that like you, your world gets pretty small when you mm-hmm. can't see, you know, you're like, okay, I'm you're like, and, mm-hmm. um, the people that you surround yourselves with are the ones that are, you know, you, you can go there with, but you can yeah. call up like freaking out because you yeah. can't handle it anymore. Right. Yeah. And it's been really interesting to see I'm so fortunate to have such great friendships in my life and, and peers and colleagues and yeah. uh, all over the, all over the country uh, in the world actually. But like, we've had this conversation about like, why, like, it's so interesting. Like I used to see that person all the time. And like, I literally haven't talked to them in eight months since the pandemic started. And it's because like we had to call, right. Like, yeah. like it was like very quick. And like the people that I want in my life right now are the people that I can have those conversations with. I don't want the surface relationships right now. Yeah. I don't need it. I don't have time for it. I don't have space for it, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing with work. Like I'm so lucky to have these people in my life that I, you know, chose for a reason mm-hmm. for multiple reasons, like to have in my life and like, and, and, and include my clients in that, which is interesting, sure. right? Like I've got, I've got these clients that I just can't wait to get on the phone with, right? Because yeah. They are just true, incredible people trying to do the next right thing as yeah. we say, right? And it's just yeah. like, and I've kind of let some of the clients that I don't appreciate just kind of 
waft away. Like I'm not reaching out to them. I'm not calling them. I'm not, I don't even want to do work with them. You know, at this that's point. the thing is, is, you know, for our leaders, um, if you get, sorry, when you get really, yeah. really good, when yeah. you get really, really good, you're going to be able to call your shots. Yeah. And we don't allow people in our organizations who we don't want to work with. Yeah. And so, so every year there's some people who do well enough to come back but we don't allow them back. They're not the right vibe. They're not their negative Nellies. They're, they're, they're just a real challenge because we just want to want to work with people who we're so proud of. So we're so happy to work with. And it's yeah, just, and where your values you know, are. Up. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. And you know, this book thing I wrote, like it talks about like, first of all, knowing your purpose, your why, right? Like why, are yeah. you, but then aligning on your values is everything. And, you know, it can be if you're just hiring one person or you're hiring hundreds, right? Like if you can't even articulate why you're there and and what you're about, like it's going to be really hard to find those people that align with that, right? Absolutely. And and if you, if you have people that come into your organization that don't align with your values, it becomes very difficult, like yeah. really difficult. And I'm not saying that there's good values and bad values. There's actually like... Well, there is actually, I guess, but my there point are some is bad that, values. Yes. My point is that like, you know, different organizations value different things. So it's not like yes. there is like a certain set of values yes. that, that yes. the good organization needs to have versus, yeah. you know, um, you just need to be clear on what it is, yeah. what you're looking for, the type of person you want to work with, the behaviors that they represent, the way yeah. that they work, you know, everything that they, that they value, um, lines up at least yeah. a majority of it. Right. And as well to what we were both speaking to. And when you're really operating at even a higher level, your customers will align with those values. Your customers will be on into those values, right? Your customers go and yeah. We are very values led now where we Mm -hmm. talk about our values in our first introductions to people because we want want to attract the clients that want to work with us because of who we are and what we stand for, right? And how we work, right? So you know, an example is we're, we're very like, roll, we, we don't like go over here and like create something and then like present it like, oh, here's the pretty thing that the yeah. output, we are roll up your sleeves, get in the room with them or zoom room with yeah. them, you know, create it together. Uh, we ask the right questions. We facilitate it. We are, but it's a very like partner, you know, arm in arm kind of thing. Yeah. And there's clients that like, don't like that. They actually just yeah. want us to deliver the answer. Yes. Yeah. And we're like, we don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Also like really fun. And so if you're, if you're like the type of group that like is a little more like buttoned up and you, you know, I'm like, you know, we're not going to work well together. We're cracking jokes. Yeah. Sometimes they're inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like we're just kind of like, we want to have fun at work and we're going to, like, we know that that opens up creativity and that opens up smiles and that opens up, you know, pathways. And so that's how we work. And so there's a couple of clients we have that they're like, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll present this, you know, and we're like, "Mm, okay. Like it's, you know, it's funny because we'll do sometimes you'll have like a a more formal proposal process and we can even sniff it out in that proposal process where the way that it's done, like there are stages of the proposal process and then we're going to get back the RFP and did it. And you were like, Whoa, can't we just get in the room and talk about this? And, you know, and and that's all very value-based, right. And we will lose those projects because we show up in a certain way and that's, that's who we are. And, yeah. um, and we'll win the projects where, you know, we're like, they're like, well, we want to work with them. <laughs> they're fine. Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. And then you're self-selecting, you're getting, you're finding the life you want, right. And you're finding the people you want, but um, this has just been an amazing conversation. 
right, this is your lo- lo- longest podcast ever. Like, what? You- <laughs> I don't really. I'm not even sure when we started, but you know what's popped up, and it just shows my organization skills aren't the best. I have an interview, Zoom interview, <laughs> to start in five minutes, which oh my is God, so I much. Let fun. you know. Okay, great. So, but one final question, because I'm committed to the podcast, is and that's something we always ask is. When you think of a leader of tomorrow, what do you think of Rebecca? So the first word that popped into my head was empathy. Okay, I love it. And, you know, these are uh, future skills that we're seeing emerge um, that are so needed um, for our leaders of tomorrow. So I I see a, a leader who is empathetic, who understands context, who understands, you know, what's needed from a very human standpoint you know, they have to have the bones of whatever it is that they're working on, like the, the the knowledge and skills and experience with regards to whatever they're working on. But but the successful leaders of tomorrow are going to be the ones that are the most empathetic, um, that really, truly can get in the shoes of their employees and their customers um, and their clients and understand what their deep needs are and the context within that and be able to deliver that. This conversation was so fantastic. I'm just so appreciative. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll make it in time for my interview. So yeah, we're good all luck. good. good <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And this was lovely. And I'm so happy to have this new relationship. It's great. Yes, exactly. Well, con- continued success. And thanks. Uh, thanks so much. Okay, cheers. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.